0: And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app.
1: We should just play this music under the bad news. It should be bad news over fun music. I mean, no news is bad when you got Pat Benatar on, right? Um, Thanks for being here this morning. Former President Trump, in all seriousness, for, former President Trump was arraigned yesterday on 34 felony charges in New York. The D.A. has spoken out about this. Um, there are two ways to look at this, and one of them is strictly from a legal standpoint and the veracity of these charges. But it's hard to do that with the political climate we live in. I've been having these conversations with a lot of people Um There was actually somebody that – this is the level that this has gotten to. Uh, Somebody sent a message to the Facebook page, to the show Facebook page, the Mike Broomhead show page, and was complaining that um, Trump used campaign funds to pay off Stormy Daniels so his wife wouldn't find out. It's not even close to what the accusations are. As a matter of fact, that's pretty close to the opposite of what the accusations are. Um, He didn't want his wife to find out, but he didn't use campaign funds. That's part of the problem. He used business funds that they're saying should have been deemed a campaign fund, whatever. My point is if you hate them, you hate them. If you love them, you love them. And there doesn't seem to be in that conversation much of a look at the veracity of what's going on. But when you start talking to political opponents of the president within his own party and outside of it, John Bolton believes these charges will ultimately be dismissed. Jeb Bush, who is no friend. The Bush family and the Trump family are not close, not close. Jeb Bush, who was a huge political adversary and it was very contentious in the 2016 primary, um, came out and said, this is scary. You know, this is I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but these charges are overtly political. But I talked with Barry Markson this morning. Now, Barry is a brilliant attorney and you've heard he's been very critical personally of Donald Trump. And that's one of the things I like about when I having this conversation with Markson as just an attorney, because there's a thing in the law, it's called being dispassionate, meaning you're not emotional. It is what it is. The facts are the facts. Now, you can have opinions, but when it comes to the facts, there are things that are true and there are things that are not true. And that's the way the law. supposed to work it isn't supposed to take into account how it feels about you if you're something if you're someone that america loves and you're in court you're entitled to the same justice as someone that america hates that's what our constitution is supposed to do that's what our justice system is supposed to be about lady justice the symbol of justice in america the woman that is holding the scales that are balanced she's blindfolded so let's get into a little bit of what Markson said this morning about this being charged as felonies as opposed to misdemeanors.
2: There's 34 different uh, felonies now of allegations of you know business uh, issues with their with the documents. I think the case for that is probably strong, but that's generally, not generally, that's a misdemeanor. To get it to a felony, uh, what Alvin Bragg has done is said uh, that it was done to hide or lie about other crimes, either in the commission of other crimes or to further other crimes. I, I think that part's a bit of a stretch.
1: And that's where the issue is going to be for finding jurors. And here's the other part of this if you're going to if you are going to seat a jury, um, the I, I've been on a couple of juries, which were weird because in both cases, they were nothing like this. In both cases, it took longer to choose the jury than it did to try the case. My point in that is the jury selection process is very meticulous. They are doing their best to seat jurors that can live up to the promise that they are unbiased, that there's nothing about their experience or nothing about their knowledge of the person or the case that would sway them from being able to say guilty or not guilty based on the evidence in front of them. How difficult is it going to be to find 12 unbiased people in New York about Donald Trump? Donald Trump is not the kind of person that people go, eh, eh. That you don't say, what do you think of Donald Trump? There isn't many people that go, meh, I don't I don't care. People are passionately opinionated about Donald Trump. There's no doubt about it. You love him or you hate him. And that's been kind of the that's the overwhelming number of people. Um, but more about this, I asked Markson because the Trump Team has already said we are going to ask for a dismissal of all charges we believe all of this is so bogus and a waste of the court's time at some point soon, we are going to ask for all charges to be dismissed. Is that possible?
2: It's really based on the fact that these payments were made to Stormy Daniels and uh, McDougal, and then apparently there's a third person now. Those those were made, and they were documented in business records from the Trump organization. So if they were to get thrown out, it would have to be towards the intent of whether former President Trump knew about the, the, business, uh, the fraudulent business records, uh, or to throw out the felony aspect of it because he's unable, the, the DA is is unable to link the actual misdemeanor charge to these other charges.
1: So then the election laws in New York, how could that tie into this impossible dismissal?
2: He's saying that it's, elect- it's linked to New York election law. And there's an obvious argument there that this is a presidential election. It's a federal election, not a state election. So there's, there's issues there that are certainly ripe for a motion to dismiss. Whether some or all of them are dismissed, we'll have to wait and see.
1: That's going to be immense when that happens. So the next question was about when. What's the time like? When are they going to be in court next? And how long can this be dragged out?
2: The next hearing in court is is not going to occur until December 4th, which was eight months after uh, eight months from yesterday uh, when this happened. And that trial would be set sometime potentially in January or the spring of 2024.
1: So you're now talking about moving into the election year, if there's even a trial, eight months before the next court appearance. What happens for the next eight months? Is this going to be, do you believe that this is going to be front page above the fold? For those of you that are old enough to remember newspapers, is this front page above the fold news for the next eight months? I don't know the answer to that. Are people going, are people already getting fatigued with this story? I think it is still the biggest news story that's out there. Um, I am concerned about the way we are perceived in the world, although I don't think our legal system should be swayed about whether or not something goes to court because what other people in the part of the world would say. But for those that are so con- consumed and, and upset about our reputation in the world that we needed to replace Donald Trump because we are an embarrassment to the eyes of the world, you can't say this is any less of an embarrassment. And – I'm anxious to see how this plays out because are the American people going to walk away when this is over? Because when you're in the middle of something, it's very passionate and heated and emotional. As time goes by, I can tell you from a very, very, very young person's perspective, when Richard Nixon resigned as president of the United States, the emotion of the American people in that moment is different than the how history treated that time in history. It's just natural. People's opinions of George W. Bush during the Iraq War and in the the election cycle of 2004 and the end of his presidency in 2008, there is a whole different perception of who he is now because of history and time passing. What will history say about this? That to me is the most fascinating part of it. In a moment, a big story locally, and we're going to touch on it a little bit, more trouble for the Arizona Cardinals, um, and we'll talk about the accusations of cheating. We'll talk about that coming up in a couple of moments.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app.
1: Hey, thanks for being here. I want to talk a little bit about the accusations against Arizona Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell. Um, uh, this is one of those situations that's tough. I think it's a big local story. I do. I think it's worth uh, – we've got to mention it because I think it's something we need to talk about. Um, I find it difficult because um, – I'm a Cardinals season ticket holder. I am disappointed in the Cardinals performance, but I always have high hopes uh, for the team each season. But most of all, um, in every interaction I've ever had with Michael Bidwill, has been positive. I, I've I've been to multiple charity events where I've been the MC and introduced him as a speaker. He's been in attendance. Um, I've talked with him about Cardinal charities. I've interviewed him at the stadium about the team and games coming up. And every interaction I've ever had with him has been very positive. That doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of what happens here. I'm just relaying to you that from uh, this is not something that I just I'm not jumping in with both feet and saying is true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying I don't want to talk about it. I have to. It it needs to be done, but it's not something I take any joy in talking about Uh, on every level. I hate talking about this. Um, What are the allegations? Adam Schefter, if you're not a big sports fan, Adam Schefter is the NFL insider. Period. End of story. He is the guy that's got his finger on the pulse of the NFL. And this is what he said. He's from ESPN. What he said about these allegations. The
0: former Cardinals executive Terry McDonough filed an arbitration claim today to NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, alleging and accusing the Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell, of cheating, discrimination, and harassment. It's a long, detailed petition in which he spells out all the ways in which he believes Michael Bidwell has done wrong, including using burner phones during the suspension of the former Cardinals general manager Steve Kahn during his suspension in which McDonough claims that Bidwell hatched a plan for all of them to communicate During time suspension.
1: So um, the former GM of the Cardinals was suspended because of a DUI he had, and there were some other issues. And so this is a league rule that was in violation of this. Now it's important to note, this is Adam Schefter continuing, that Mr. Bidwell denies all these charges.
0: Michael Bidwell is countered by saying those claims are baseless, by questioning Terry McDonough's character, and obviously questioning everything that he raised today.
1: So what happens next? Roger Goodell is the NFL commissioner. What are the next steps in this case? The
0: arbitration claim went to Commissioner Goodell. The Cardinals have 20 days to respond to that petition that Terry McDonough submitted. And then Roger Goodell has the right to an arbitration hearing in which he could determine whether or not discipline is necessary in this particular case.
1: So if it is deemed to be true, and that's what everybody is concerned about, what does this mean for the Arizona Cardinals and for Michael Bidwell.
0: If McDonough can prove his accusations during this arbitration claim, and if he has the evidence that he insists that he does, then clearly there is going to have to be some action taken. And in the words of the league, owners should be held to the highest standard in this particular case.
1: So it is difficult it, for me, it is deeper than just whether it 's sports or it 's not sports this you know this involves i 've talked often about the benevolence of cardinal charities I want them to be successful as an organization um i I, I personally think the world of michael bidwell i don't want this to be true i'm just going to be honest with you i obviously have no idea and neither do you other than these are serious allegations and accusations that impacts the valley you know you when you have it's one of the things that when you are a major business in the valley and you you are part of the focus on the valley you know um Arizona, the Super Bowl, uh, all the things that are held in that stadium, the Arizona Cardinals are a well-known franchise around the country, and after um, they were a part of Hard Knocks, or that, that series on HBO, um, during the time when uh, Bruce Arians was the head coach, they were, had risen to the level of popularity that the Arizona Cardinals were everybody's second favorite team, which is not an insult. I mean, after everybody, when you're a homer, you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you're a Green Bay Packers fan, overwhelmingly, the- the, at the time, the team that everybody wanted to succeed behind their favorite team was the Arizona Cardinals. So they've had some, re, you know, with Larry Fitzgerald and Pat Tillman and Bruce Arians as the head coach, and all some of the players that you know. When you've got um, JJ Watt and you've got players like that on your team, you are going to become a focal point. So when something like that, when you're getting real positive attention, when something like this happens, it hammers a community negatively. I don't want it to be true for multiple reasons. One of them is I I want the the NFL to flourish in Arizona. I want the Cardinals to be a successful franchise. I want them to be respected. I don't expect they're going to win a Super Bowl every year. I'd love to see them win one. I want this to be a successful football franchise. But as much as I want that, the benefit to the community of having these major sports teams, having them here and the charitable contributions they make when their executives and their players go out into the community and affect change around them, it's a great thing so to have any kind of a shadow over them is disappointing for me and then on that personal level I'm just being terribly honest with you Um, I would not call myself a friend of Michael Bidwell I don't even have a cell phone number Um, but I know him and I respect him and anytime I've had an opportunity to spend some time with him I seek him out because I think he's I've always been interested in him he's a a very accomplished attorney was a federal prosecutor before he took over the family business with the Arizona Cardinals Um, he did bring a winner to the Arizona Cardinals when they got into the new stadium went all the way to a Super Bowl and were one magic play by the Pittsburgh Steelers away from winning a Super Bowl Um, so they have seen some success so there's a lot of things about uh, this that make me feel sad. Um, it, it's deeper than just football. I know for other people that are a little bit more disconnected, I can only tell you what this means to me when I'm plugged into it. And I hope it's not true. I hope that the Cardinals are able to move away from this and continue on and worry about their on field performance and the changes that need to be made there. Um, But it's a big story. I mean, if it's an NFL story, it's a big story. When it's your hometown and it's your team, it's a bigger story. So we'll be on it, and uh, I will bring you the news as I find out more details as more comes out. But let's, in my opinion, I hope that it isn't true. Um, We had a major drop in private sector jobs, and we're going to talk about what this means to our economy, but also solutions to keeping us on track. I think more than anything, it's time to talk just about solutions and less about problems. We'll do that next. invite you to help make a difference in our community, we started something called the Action Alliance, and I would love for you to join us. It's really simple. Um, you just we sign up. We set up community service projects. You come to the ones you're available to. We'll send you an email or a text message letting you know what's going on. You can just join us if you can. Uh, text the word Action to 411923. ninety two three. That's Action to four one one ninety two three. Private sector job growth tumbles in March to one hundred and forty five thousand, worth worse than expected. The slowdown of the economy is. Half Happening is working. Um, the interest rate's going up, making it harder for businesses to expand and borrow money. It's affecting people's credit card purchases, and we are seeing a slowing, especially in the manufacturing area and warehousing. Um, and so this is what was expected, but how far will it go? How bad will it get? Gas prices continuing to go up again as the OPEC nations have decided that a 1 million per day – 1 million barrel per day cut was necessary – gas prices are climbing once again we are uh, in the mid 460s range is where we are for averages uh in Arizona right now and it's part of it is the blend of fuel we use the refining of it and now oil prices are going to compound that um we also know that solutions are an issue for me. I've talked about a lot of this over and over again. And I, it, it's hard for me because I'm as passionate as anybody else is. But when you look at things in a fact, you can't have an, uh, an emotional conversation and then all of a sudden switch it to just facts. There's always going to be emotion mixed in with the politics. And from my personal Uh, point of view, um, the policies of this administration have contributed immensely to the inflation we are seeing. I have also been fair with the White House in saying they are right when they say they couldn't control what Russia did and the oil prices. We couldn't talk about the food or couldn't control the food prices. Also, the same war because so much of the world's wheat comes from Russia. Ukraine, uh, so there were some areas when the White House says, "Hey, we can't control that." We, you're right; you don't control the UAE, the Saudis, the OPEC nations. You don't control these oil prices anymore. But that was a part of a policy shift from this administration on production. And anybody who denies that is not paying attention to the climate change rules. Another thing: now you are no longer going to buy incandescent light bulbs. They are uh, this onslaught. We're going after the incandescent light bulbs. They're going to be replaced with LEDs. This is going to be a mandate. It's all part of the climate. And part of the changes they want in energy efficiency in this White House, they think they're doing the right thing. It's more expensive, going to be more expensive for the average household. And it's all incremental. It's all just a little bit here and a little bit there. But these policies have dramatically led to and contributed to inflation. There's little doubt to that. Whether or not it's the right thing or necessary is the political division. I don't think it's neither necessary nor do I believe it's the right thing to do. Nancy Pelosi. um, I I found this to be interesting. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was at a she was doing this interview where she accidentally called Hillary Clinton the president, but she was talking about taxation. And it's just a weird take in my mind what she has to say about the democracy and paying higher taxes. She's basically saying there's a lot of good people, you know, a lot of really good people. But they just don't want to pay more in taxes. And it was almost like the surprising that you could be a good person and not want to pay more in taxes.
0: I mean, do you know some really wonderful people, well-educated, maybe even some of them in this this excellent institution, who are great, they're successful, nice people and all that? And the boom, they're way on the other side of our democracy in our own country why? Because they don't want to pay more taxes?
1: Right. Yes, we don't want to pay more taxes. We want you to be efficient with what you've been given. Name another area of your life. Another area of your life. Let's say instead of you paying taxes, you are investing money. Let's say you have a person that you trust to invest money for you so that that money grows, that later on in life it'll be there for you. Let's say that's the truth. Um, and you had a record with this person, and they were losing your money. They couldn't account for your money. They didn't know where it was going. They couldn't answer for it. But then they said to you, I think you should be giving me more money each month. Would you? The answer is not a chance. If you had somebody that was working for you, that was charged with your books, that they were your bookkeeper, money in, money out, account for every dollar, profit and loss, and they couldn't do that, would you continue to employ that person? No, you wouldn't. And yet that's what our government's been doing. That's not even a political statement. We all know that's true. The redundancy and the waste of the federal government is insane. But the idea that you're going to fix a broken economy when people don't have enough money to put food on their table by taxing other Americans is nothing, nothing short of class warfare. And that's exactly what it is. It is the government saying to those that are lower income, your problems lie in rich people. So we are going to take from the rich. Of course, we're going to take our cut. You're going to pay the VIG. And then we're going to give you something from that. And that's how we're going to make America fair. And I just don't think it works. I think when you look at what does work, it's different. The city of Tempe, I I mentioned this earlier, the city of Tempe is contemplating. Now, here's a time. Think about this. There is a group in Tempe... And I'm not going to argue the merits either way, but I'm going to tell you there's a group in Tempe that wants you to vote no on every single proposition that would allow the entertainment district in Tempe to be built, including a stadium or a, an arena that would house the Coyotes, but also would be apartments and other small businesses. So the city of Phoenix is involved now because of air traffic. But there is a group out there that wants you, and one of the reasons why they don't want this entertainment district built is they say it will hurt small, other small businesses. Businesses and lower income people, that it's not going to help lower income people. Well, that very same city, the city of Tempe, is talking about a prevailing wage for all city buildings. Meaning that if you're going to build something, the city is going to build something, it is going to cost the taxpayers in that city more money to build it because they are arbitrarily going to say we are going to tell every general contractor that bids these jobs. And I guess I should have gone through that process a little bit more. Um, In the process of a prevailing wage job, you as a subcontractor are required to sign on a dotted line that you will pay X amount of dollars per hour minimum to a journeyman and uh, apprentices, and so it's laid out that you have to pay a higher wage than what is being paid in your town. It's the prevailing union wage. Many times, most of the time in these buildings, the type of material you have to use is not necessary, but it is documented that it will be of a higher quality or a higher standard. I don't want to get into too many of the details, but in my industry, it would be the difference between using a set screw connector for conduit and compression connectors for a conduit. Steel versus um uh, you know versus some other type of metal that isn't a, isn't a steel and it makes the job much more expensive. Well the city's going to pay you more, but they're telling you at the onset, "A, you're going to have to pay all of this." And B, you are going to have to document this. Every month your paperwork level is going to go up because you have to show us that you have actually paid these wages. So it makes the cost of every job go up, the cost to the city goes up. So here we are at a time when small businesses are suffering, where small businesses are concerned about their taxes. They're worried about material costs. They're worried about labor costs. They're worried about all of these other things. And the city is a not only trying to make it more expensive to build buildings in that city. They are also going to be taking an even bigger chunk of the workforce, because if you're just a working person on a job site, if you're an electrician like I was, but you're a job site electrician, wouldn't you rather go work for the city and a building that's paying more money, of course you are. So the private sector buildings are going to have a tougher time keeping people on job sites. think it's the wrong time. think the timing is terrible. Coming up in a moment, Caitlin Jenner announces a political action committee. We'll tell you why coming up in just a moment. <laughs>
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app.
1: Hey, you know, the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement. We'd love to hear from you and a tribute to him. If you'd like to submit a video, a thank you, Al message, we'd love to have it. Just text the word Al to 620-620. We may even play your message on the air. That's Al to 620-620. This is an interesting dynamic here. Um, uh, Caitlyn Jenner um, is probably or is one of, if not the most famous or well-known transgender woman in America and uh, because of the history of being an Olympian and everything else. But the other part of this dynamic is that Caitlyn Jenner is also a – Republican, which goes against, it's so funny to see culturally, you can be, let's say that we talk, everybody, everybody has a community and you promote your community. So here is someone who is transgender that is very well known, that is, could be, you know, a big part of the face of that community and the success that it brings. But because she's not politically aligned with a lot of other people in that community, they don't like it. They don't like it at all. She has started a political action committee, a PAC, to combat radical gender ideology. So what is she saying that she would like to change? Today, I publicly launched Fairness First PAC to fight the radical gender ideology, put parents' rights or parental rights at the forefront of education, and keep boys out of women's sports, she said in a tweet. Donate today. Help me fight the radical gender extremists, keep boys out of girls' sports, put parents in charge of what goes on in the classroom, all will go to support these issues in the upcoming critical races Um, I couldn't agree more that when you go through the headlines, Florida school board member demands answers on behalf of parents to define what a woman is. There is no clear-cut answer. Parents at this school district in Florida, and um, I'm trying to, I'm, uh, at the Broward County school system, parents are going to school board meetings and they're saying, we want an answer from you as, to far, as far as what curriculum will you put in place that will identify what is a woman. Tell us what your gender, gender identities are. And how you define them in the curriculum you're going to teach our children so that we can decide whether or not we're going to pull our children out of this school district. How is that an unreasonable request from a parent? It's not anti-trans. It's not anti-anyone. It's saying as a parent, the fact that we're having this conversation about what is a woman after the Me Too movement and the equality movement that's going on in this country – I I just and I'm being very honest. I'm not trying to be crass. I just don't get it. I don't get it. You can't go to Halloween dressed as a Native American. You can't go on Halloween dressed as some other cultural thing because you're cultural appropriation. But you can walk around fully anatomically and and uh, and um, biologically a male and call yourself a woman. And if somebody disagrees with you, that person's in trouble. How is that not considered cultural appropriation? Because you say you're that. Uh, Rachel Dolezal was famous for being a Caucasian woman that spent a good part of her adult adult life pretending to be African-American. When she was outed as actually a white woman, she was thrown out for cultural appropriation. She identified as black. What's the difference? I really don't know what the difference is. I'm not saying that you shouldn't live a life based on how you feel and what you believe you are, but how is Rachel Dolezal an outcast in the community? But if I am being very serious about this. If I misgender someone, uh, what happened in Nashville, the transgender community was furious because this was someone that is female that identified as male and they were upset that a murderer was being misgendered. I could care less what the gender is, but they were upset because she says she's a man. She's a man. Um, There is a there is a gay nightclub. And I want to see where this is. It's in New Zealand and it's drawn criticism from the transgender community. The cruise nightclub in New Zealand placed a sign outside an establishment that read XY equals male and XS XX equals female. In other words, they're saying that the biological fact that men and women are different genetically exists. The fact that that is a fight. I don't, I don't understand that. But when you've got school districts, um, education department acts to advance transgender non-binary inclusion in youth sports. Um, this is the problem. Most people don't care how you live your life. I certainly do not. But I've got grandchildren in the school system and I would have a I have a real problem with the school system in the curriculum, especially for elementary school kids that want to say that there is no real defining difference between a man and a woman. Men can get pregnant and men have a menstrual cycle and men have all of these things. And and if you're a woman uh, anatomically and genetically and you say you're a man, we have to call you a man. And if we don't call that person a man, it's not an insult. It is just a goes against science. You have a right to live your life the way you want. When we start changing biology because we want to be politically correct, there are a lot of parents that justifiably have a right to say, stop, time out. We're not doing this. How is this not crossing a line? No one's answering my question about race. How is it that that a white woman can say that she is black for years and when she's found out that she's not really African-American, she's thrown out of the NAACP and ostracized and someone else can change the clothing they wear in their hairstyle and say, I'm a different gender. And if I disagree with it, I'm the bigot. I just don't get it. We're going to go back to talking about the former president and his arrest and arraignment yesterday. That's coming up next.